0: New patron alert! Sound the alarms! Close the hatches! Put on the jewel-encrusted battle shorts! hold,
1: Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on! But I'm about to crank the siren! Yeah, be that as it may, isn't this new patron just an old patron who upped her pledge? Yes. Furthermore, is this old patron in fact your partner? Point of order! Denied. Answer the question. Yes. So really, what you're saying is that we've been completely infiltrated and you're sleeping with the enemy? It's a fair cop, Your Honor. Well, then, what are you going to do? I guess, in order to expose the
0: conspiracy, I need to go deeper.
1: That's right, you need to date more patrons So, for only $50 a month, you too can date M Thrilled to the sound of their snoring Marvel at the fact that they don't like salad even though they are a vegan Vibrate with joy as you realise that every morning when you go to work, they get to stay in bed And for $100 a month,
0: you also get to date Josh Wait, what? Join us on Double Dates as we discuss the finer points of Rutger Hauer's classic film, Split Second And wonder whether any feature will ever be as delicious as Detention and when it comes to bedtime...
1: Then there we will stop, I think. In fact, I'm beginning to think this patronage system needs rethinking.
0: Nonsense. We can be the first official polyamorous podcast on conspiracy theories.
1: It would be a unique selling
0: point. No, you're right, I'm in. Now, if it weren't a rights issue, we'd play Love Rollercoaster right about... now. Instead, here's our theme.
1: The Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, brought to you today by Josh Addison and Dr. M. Dentith. Hello and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. I am Josh Addison, they are Dr. M. Dentith. We are both uh, in Auckland, New Zealand at the moment, uh, but in different places due to a variety of personal circumstances. Namely my son graduating from primary school, because it turns out people graduate from primary schools these days. Anyway, I'm gonna pretend I
0: hadn't been told about this before the podcast started, and I will do my spit take of graduating from
1: primary school. Mm. At any rate, we're both sweltering, and what I see is apparently only 81% humidity. It was ninety-five percent last night. So oh, it's see, I, doing its summer thing.
0: I got back from Otatahi yesterday night, and I have to say the the slimy feel of being back mm. in the mugginess of Auckland. I've missed the fact that moisture it just doesn't go anywhere. It just stays with you. It does. It stays
1: with you all the time. It's your permanent friend. You know what did go somewhere though? I'm gonna take that as a no and carry on with my with my um segue. Uh what went somewhere was one of our the videos off of my YouTube channel, the the, the channel where we put videos uh that we record of these podcasts as we record them. Um that was an interesting experience. I just I just had popped open YouTube the other day, and it pops up this message saying, your, one of your videos is in violation of community guidelines. You've been spreading medical misinformation, and we have to take it down. And it turned out it was the one about Bill Gates, uh, which talked a little bit about COVID-19 vaccines. Just be a little bit subtle there. I don't want to set it off again. Um, but, yeah, so it said... Um, uh, I, I assume basically something had twigged to the fact that we were talking about those subjects, and while not spreading those conspiracy theories, and while we in fact spent most of the time debunking them and saying why they weren't true, uh, YouTube lacked the um, lacked the nuance to get that, and so I said my video was Which was well, I, I, I get that it's you know, there's, there's there's way more content than any human beings could ever monitor, and they have to do it with algorithms, and algorithms are inherently stupid. What did annoy me was that it says, of course, you have the chance to appeal this. So I clicked the appeal button, and it gives you a little text box where you can write in, and I basically said what I just said now. It was a thing it was about Bill Cates and vaccine conspiracy theories, but we weren't pro them. We weren't promoting them or spreading them. We were just discussing and mostly debunking them. We were, in fact, trying to stop the spread of medical misinformation. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Clicked, clicked the button there, and then literally within minutes got another email saying, no, we've reviewed it, still banned, goodbye so either the algorithm which had already decided it should be pulled was just run over it again and strangely came to the same conclusion or an actual human being read one half of the sentence of the description and and decided to do the same thing so anyway that's what happens so i th- i think i'm i'm assuming it was because in the description of it I said, I asked the question we ask in the podcast, when did Bill Gates become the next the new George Soros? Which, outside of context, I suppose, could be um taken as meaning why is Bill Gates evil the same way that George Soros is evil and behind all the evil vaccine stuff. But anyway. So that was my adventure. How was your weekend?
0: Well, I spent Friday of last week. At a conference on social media and democracy, talking with such luminaries as John Stevenson, Luke Malpass, Barbara Drew, Drew either uh, G- Green MP, Gauriz, was presenting via Zoom. She was a giant looming head over the proceedings. It was really quite fantastic. And in the early part of this week, I was at a philosophy conference, so... It's been it's been conference, 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 and it's quite nice to not be conferencing at this point in time now. Mm. Right, well. well as you know one thing. Well Joe, if you're listening, we know about you. We didn't have room to talk about you this week, but next week. Your time will come, Joe. You know who you are. You
1: know what's coming. We're laying it down. I don't know who they are, and I don't know what's coming, so I'm I quite excited. I the email. But, um, That's not what we're here to talk to you about today. So we're trying. We're trying it again. This is the second instalment of our segment that we still don't have a name. I don't have a name for it. Do you what have a name for it? What the conspiracy? What the conspiracy? Okay. Well, that's. I, I have nothing better, so that's what I'll have to do. <laughs> Something just got dropped in the background <laughs> there, but I didn't hear the sound of breaking glass, so I think we're okay. Um. So we're doing the thing where one of us picks a conspiracy theory that hopefully the other one hasn't heard of um, and tells them about it. And as we said last week, I've possibly got the trickier job because I think Em's ear is is more close to the ground in the world of conspiracy theories. Your thumb is more more directly on the pulse. So I think the chances of me finding a conspiracy theory that you haven't heard about is is uh, less likely. But uh, let's although, give it a go Josh, anyway.
0: Although, Josh, I do, have, I do have an out for you. You Mm. need to build a time machine, travel into the far future, and find conspiracies I can't have heard
1: about. Right. Well, we'll have to save that for next time because now I've got one from the past. So I (laughs) think. See, you've fallen for my for my trick. Now I know
0: it's a past conspiracy theory.
1: Yes, I'm afraid I've given the game away. So shall we play a classic blunder and then dive into it?
0: Indeed, let's play a chime and dive straight on in.
1: Right, so, so now, last time we did this, you you played a little game, a little guessing game. So, shall we start with the same format? Um, when, where, and about what subject do you think this conspiracy is? Now because because you think I know a lot
0: about conspiracy theories, I'm going to assume you're going to avoid the 20th century given so many of them occurred and so much of the literature deals with them. And I think you're going to ignore the English speaking world. Because being an English speaker myself and only being an English speaker, it would be it would be good to avoid the English speaking world. So, I'm going to say 17th century, so the 1600s onwards, and I'm going to say Asia, and I'm going to say it's a murder conspiracy theory.
1: Right. Well, it's a good thing we're not sitting at a table choosing which uh, glass in front of us has been poisoned with iocane powder, because you would be dead you would be thoroughly dead, and not just because I've built up an immunity over the years. Um, this this conspiracy theory is from the early part of the 20th century, uh, and it's from it's from jolly old England, just like last week's, but this just happened to be the one that tickled my fancy. It's a fancy tickler, you say. It's that kind of conspiracy theory. Yep. So, um, have you heard, and if the answer is yes, just pretend it's no anyway, so we have a segment to make here. Have you heard... Of Ferguson's gang No, I have not heard Of Ferguson's gang Of Ferguson's gang I I thought this was quite a nice little one Because it's actually an example of a benevolent Conspiracy Which we don't seem to get too many of Uh, Ferguson's gang Was a group of women, or at least a core group of women, with other members later on, uh, who raised money in England for the National Trust to save buildings and old stretches of coastline. Now that um, that doesn't sound overly conspiratorial in itself, and that there are plenty of charities that do things like that. Uh, What makes it conspiratorial is that they were the, the word eccentric seems to come up a lot and they 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 made a conspiracy of it basically these women uh operated under pseudonyms they concealed their identities they indeed took their identities to the grave um in many cases um and so so did their benevolent work uh in in secrecy i mean i say in secrecy if they were doing it today i'm pretty sure like it wouldn't have been able to be kept secret because they were they, they they documented what they did there are lots of photographs of them and stuff but um because uh, so, this so was what, where,
0: what what are the exact dates that Ferguson's gang is operating
1: uh formed in 1927 uh operated pretty much up until world war 2 i think the last the last information i have about them is 1946 oh 1946, right. 46, so right, right
0: towards the end of world, world war 2 mm. so not just the
1: beginning so I'm I'm assuming post war they probably had other things on their plate, and so that's why this their is, activities... i mean this is still a
0: period of time in the u k of great sexism and the idea that a woman's place is in the home, et cetera et cetera so presumably one of the reasons why they may have been acting anonymously and secretly is to kind of hide what they were doing from menfolk or was it actually obvious Um, they were doing it they were just keeping it secret
1: for a lark it sounds more like it was a lark i mean these were well-heeled uh young ladies they were university graduates ah genteel folk Mm. um so i mean it's a bit of background the national trust um, is a charity for, for heritage conservation in England, Wales, and Northern Ireland. Apparently, Scotland has its own national trust, so they don't look after Scotland. Um, and Ferguson's gang was formed in 1927 by five or six women. I think I think they've decided there were six eventually, but because they used pseudonyms and so on, it was a little bit hard to tell at the time. Um uh and over time I, I understand it was sort of a group you could you could sort of join or you could become like a, a subscribing member given that it was all about raising funds and so on. Um but these these women were, were the core of the whole thing. Um in total, overall, they raised four and a half thousand pounds, which apparently is the equivalent of about half a million pounds in today's money, um, which went towards these various uh causes. Um, for the national trust they were big big fans of the environment um they they were big fan- they they sort of had pilgrimages off to stonehenge sort of uh, bucolic english countryside stuff uh they liked the outdoor outdoors activities and and picnics and swimming in english waterways and so on and so forth Um, And in particular, they were inspired by this book by a British architect called, now his first name is spelt C-L-O-U-G-H, and O-U-G-H can be pronounced about six or seven different ways, depending on your whim. But I'm just going to go, I'm going to say, I'm going to pick Clow. Clow William Ellis, Clow Williams Ellis, rather, who published a book called England and the Octopus, the cover of which is quite a jolly little picture of, of a, of a, purple cartoon octopus wearing a dashing bowler hat but whose tentacles are nevertheless reaching out stretching out to encompass all of the the buildings of england and basically that actually that
0: that sounds conspiratorial england and the octopus Mm. the evil octopus putting its tendrils into things are you sure this is an evil conspiracy
1: this wasn't the conspiracy itself. The octopus, in, in this case, was a metaphor for London. Um, he didn't like the spread of sort of urbanisation. He thought there were sort of ugly buildings, poor town planning, um, and was was working to the detriment of England overall. Um, and these women were, were were quite taken by his his words and, and agreed that um, I think their motto was "England is Stonehenge, not Whitehall," and so they felt very strongly that the the more um, the more rural aspects of England, it was very important to preserve them um, against the the, the tentacles of the octopus. Um, So where should we go? So who were Ferguson's gang? Well, as I say, they worked under under pseudonyms. Um, Pseudonyms of people attached to the gang included Bill Stickers, uh, inspired by the sign Bill Stickers, not allowed here. Uh, There was Sister Agatha, Kate O'Brien, the Nark, Red Biddy, A.K.A. White Biddy. There was also Shot Biddy. There was also the Lord Beer Shop of the Gladstone Islands and Mercator's Projection, A.K.A. the Bloody Beer Shop, A.K.A. Is B. So they were having a bit of fun. I'm pretty sure that, having decided to take a stand against this octopus, they were they were just a bunch of 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 good humoured. uh ladies who 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 liked liked a bit of wine apparently liked a bit of picnicking liked having a bit of fun um and so they decided to have a bit of fun with this organisation that they'd formed um so they would uh when they appeared in public to like donate some of the funds that they'd um they'd gathered they they did so wearing masks um and donated money in all sorts of different ways so uh let's have a look at some of the things they did. Um the first um the first act that they uh uh performed I guess was the um the the repair of the Shelford Mill in Surrey. Um, so this was a building that was built around, the building that was there had been built around 1750, although apparently back in the, the Doomsday Book records that there was a mill on that site as far back as 1086, so this was sort of a heritage So it was a place that it, the mills had been for many, many centuries, but by 1927 this particular mill was not in use, it was, it was uh, in, in a state of disrepair and danger of being demolished, and they said no, this is the sort of heritage, this is the sort of England's character that we need to preserve. Um, and so they they raised money. Um, they uh, persuaded the trust who owned the mill at the time to donate it to the National Trust um, on the proviso that, the, that Ferguson's gang would raise the money for its repair and future running costs, and they did. And so this mill was restored, and the gang itself operated out of a room there from 1932 until 1966. Oh, there we go. They were active until 1966. The, the oh, so they've got a they secret headquarters as well.
0: First. In a mill. Mm. This is very Jonathan Creek. Mm-hmm. Are you yeah, sure they also
1: weren't solving crimes? They they were, could well have been solving crimes, possibly under a different name. So another project uh, in 1933, um, they purchased the New Town Old Hall on the Isle of Wight. Where the was New Town Old Hall?
0: Mm. I just want to verify that the New
1: Town, the New Town Old Hall, the Not Old the Hall. Old Town New Hall. Well, possibly, possibly Newton. I don't know. Yes, so it was. It was um, purchased uh, for five pounds, and the neighbouring field for a hundred pounds. But it would take over a thousand pounds to repair. And they finally got it repaired in nineteen thirty-three. In December of nineteen thirty-four, a five hundred pound payment for the hall was delivered to the National Trust, along with a quote unquote bottle of poison. Uh Ooh, the poison.
0: Now tell me about this bottle of poison.
1: Uh the poison turned out to be slow gin. So no, that as, their...
0: And that's not gin which makes you slow, like some kind of D D potion. Drink the slow gin. I mean gin made of slow S-L-O-E. S
1: yes, L O E gin, not gin Although S-L-O-E. I actually
0: now want to run a role-playing game where one of the potions they have is slow gin. Gin that makes you slow.
1: Yes, so that was so that's that's one. Um They bought the Mayon and Treviscan, which I'm probably pronouncing correctly, cliffs in Cornwall, uh, gave them to the National Trust. That was their activities in 1935, 1936. Uh, They bought priory cottages in Oxfordshire and endowed them to the National Trust in 1939. Now, the story about this one, apparently at one point, um, they hired a messenger to deliver to the National Trust's AGM, Annual was annual general meeting. Um, a quote, beneficent bomb. Uh, this this metal device was handed in, which was passed around to some consternation, caused a bit of a bomb scare. Apparently, uh, turns out what it actually was was a metal pineapple containing hundred pounds, which was their second down payment for the for Priory Cottages. Um, at one point, another point, I'm not sure exactly which project this was in aid of, but they uh, sent in funds as a 100 pound note stuffed inside a cigar. I can see that going very badly. Mm. And also another project they, they, they saw to the, the upkeep of Frenchman's Creek in Cornwall in 1946. Um, apparently they didn't. They didn't like specifically court headlines, but nevertheless generated them as as you would when you cause a bot bomb scare at the AGM of the National Trust. Uh, but that worked in their favour anyway, um, because uh, it, it 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 raised a bit of profile of when they were when it came to sort of fundraising efforts and so on. People knew who they were and what they were talking about. So there we go. That's that's um, that's that's who Ferguson's gang was. Now we do know a bit about them now uh, in the year twenty twenty. Because in 2015 of this year, the book uh, Ferguson's Gang, The Remarkable Story of the National Trust Gangsters, was released, um, which basically gave the full story of these very interesting women. Um, It was written by a journalist called Sally Peck and a writer called Polly Bagnall, who was the daughter of a man called John Eric Mears McGregor who was the architect who worked with the Ferguson's gang and oversaw the conservation work that they did. Um, He was inducted into the Ferguson's gang and given the nickname The Artichoke, presumably because Artichoke sounds like architect, and his uh Polly Bagnell was his granddaughter, so she was actually able to supply a lot of the details and basically, and, and from what i gather um Ferguson's gang as i said they 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 did all their um their picnics and conducted weird uh rituals and in the in, 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 in venues like stonehenge and what have you um and took lots of photographs of themselves and what have you um and so but, but these of course were kept amongst their family but then these were were brought out um Post their death, and so we now actually know quite a lot about them, and they were an interesting bunch of a bunch of ladies. Um, the leader was Bill Stickers. Uh, not not quite sure which one of them did machines. Uh, who was Cool but crude, and which if any of them were a party dude? Although the sounds of things, pretty much all of them were. Nevertheless, Bill Stickers definitely led. Uh, And turned out to be Margaret uh, Stewart, otherwise known as Peggy Pollard, um, who was a scholar of Sanskrit. She won a scholarship to Cambridge in 1921, age 17, was the first female student to gain a double first in Oriental languages there. She was a poet and a Cornish bard, a bard in the language of Cornwall. Uh, and this was not, she she revealed, she, she kept uh, her identity as bill stickers of Ferguson's gang um, a secret until she died. She revealed her identity in a letter sent on her instructions to the Times after her death, aged 92 in 1996. Um, and interestingly enough, at the age of 70, she unintentionally broke a world record by embroidering 1,330 feet of cloth with scenes from the um, Chronicles of Narnia.
0: I mean I so I mean I suppose she was completely unaware she was about to break that record because the Guinness Book of Records probably just invented the case of Oh you've just you've just you've just just seamstered more scenes from Narnia than anyone else in the world. Uh we actually don't know that because we've never checked. But you've just done a big number so well done you.
1: Other one uh, Red Biddy? was uh, aka White Biddy, was actually Rachel Pinney, a developmental psychologist and also peace activist. Uh, she had a medical degree, practiced as a GP until 1961, pioneered fer- uh, several therapeutic approaches to children's development in the 1960s. Um, she uh, came out as a lesbian in 1989. Apparently, several members. Of Ferguson's gang were were queer or bisexual and were known to dress in men's clothing and so on, which possibly was another part of the this in in the in the 1920s, 30s and 40s, perhaps was might have been a reason to keep things quiet. Uh, the uh, sister Agatha was went by the wonderful name of Brynhilda Catherine Jervis Reed. Uh, those are the only names I've seen of the members, but uh, presumably, were you to read Ferguson's gang, the remarkable story of the National Trust gangsters, um, you would find out all of them. And that basically is the story of Ferguson's gang, a bunch of people who, who acted in secret um, towards a a common goal, uh, which in this case turned out to be preserving heritage sites and, and uh, British coastline.
0: Okay, so I have two questions, one of which mm-hmm. I think is answered by the other. Why did they operate in secret? Does the book reveal... The rationale behind the secrecy, because I'm finding it hard to understand why they
1: wanted to do this stuff privately or secretly. From everything I could see, just because it was a bit of a lark, just um, just because they felt like, like like making their secret little club and giving themselves amusing names and and having a bit of fun um at the same time as they as at the same time as they did good. See, uh, I'm were...
0: I'm wondering whether it's because of their relative positions in society and the academic world. Because you've got people who are scholars, you've got people who are doing academic work. They might be in the kind of position where they might have rectors or heads of departments who are going, why are you wasting your time on these things? You know, we've only just allowed women into colleges to do graduate work of this particular kind, and you're not spending your time on this topic. You're off saving monuments or buying faces. So I wonder whether maybe part of the secrecy was also not allowing the story of what they're doing to get back to their employers or colleagues.
1: Yes, I don't know. I mean, it's not not particularly out of character for for well-to-do ladies to be doing charitable works and everything, though. Yeah, but you have
0: to realise in the academic world back in those days Where there was still a heavy pushback against the idea that women should be doing academic work at all Let alone be allowed into fancy, say, Oxford or Cambridge colleges The idea was that once they were in there, they were meant to devote their lives to that academic work They were not meant to be distracted by such things as food, money, sex or saving the past
1: Hmm. Unless you're an uh, you archaeologist, well right. um, none of the stuff I've read talked about that. It was mostly just about how there were a bunch of eccentric, unconventional women for the time um, who just who just felt like having a bit of fun. But yeah, there, there could well have been a, a bit of a bit of a motive there as well. Um, was that the second question as well? Then? Well, no.
0: So I mean, so so why call this a con- why call this a conspiracy?
1: Because you had uh, people. Uh, acting in secret um, to further a common goal. I mean, as I say, if they were acting in this day and age, uh, I think it would have been much harder for it to have been a secret. Um, they probably might, they, you know, I expect it would have been a bit more of an open secret exactly who these people with the funny names and the the who, d- who did appear in masks, apparently, when they went out and did stuff. So I, th- I think to anyone who knew them would know who they were. But um, uh, back then, you could just, you know, it's, everything's in writing. There's no uh, social media or anything like that. So that's, they, they decided to uh, keep their identity secret, and, and that's what they did. Fair
0: enough. A good answer. Hoist my own petard if I disagree with you.
1: Hmm. Yes, and I think that's pretty much all I have to say. Apart from I did have, there were a few, um, as we say, Bill Stickers, a.k.a. Peggy Pollard, was a a Cornish bard and published various bits of poetry, um, including ones relating to Ferguson's gang. I should say the one thing, the one thing I have not seen in reading up on Ferguson's gang is why they were called Ferguson's gang. I don't quite know who Ferguson was, but I would guess, based on pretty much everything else, that it was some sort of an in-joke.
0: Yes, I mean, given given the joking names they've given each other, which are presumably references to things, so I mean, when your last name is Penny, you can kind of see why there might be some joking names about Penny-like objects, but presumably the Ferguson's gang thing is some kind of inside joke that we might never know the answer to.
1: Hmm. But she, uh, I've seen a few few of her poems. Um, she put up little ditties such as, We ain't so many, we ain't so few, All of us has this end in view, National Trust to work for you. And um, other things, Save me barrow, me old ring barrow, Take it safe to the National Trust, Save me castle, me old cliff castle, Save us all from the octopus. I'm pretty sure in her accent, Trust and octopus would rhyme. Octopus. National Trust. Save to the National Trust. 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 Save me, Castle, me old cliff castle. Save us all from the octopus. I don't know. I don't quite know what accent I'm doing there. I just thought something that would make those two words right. So. Well, I'm I'm glad I was able to find something that you hadn't heard of before. And it's actually given me
0: inspiration for what I want to talk about week after next. So. So. Mm. So.
1: So. So I think that is, um, that is all we have for this particular episode, this particular day. Uh, but of course, there is the bonus episode. What have we got coming up in the bonus episode? Monoliths, monoliths, monoliths. There, yeah, there have definitely been more monoliths.
0: Then we've got that classic Havana sound. Mm-hmm. And of course, we have to talk about the result of that Royal Commission.
1: Yeah. Trump and his folks are at it as well, but we did. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's more of an
0: update of a failing campaign to legally take the election away from Joe Biden. Although, as people are pointing out, a lot actually rests upon electors doing their jobs later on this month. And we're all going, there's no way that can go wrong. But, of course... The Trump administration may have one final ace up their sleeves. The only problem is it's Rudy Giuliani's slaves, and he's in hospital.
1: So, um, if you're a patron, you can tune into that. If you're not a patron and you'd like to become one, you can go to Patreon.com and search for the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. Uh, and if you're not a patron and you're happy just listening to the adventures of the Ferguson gang, uh, well, good for you, because that's what you've got. Uh, have we any more to say before we sign off for the week? I don't believe so. Righto, well then in that case, signing off for the week, it's me, Josh Edison, saying goodbye.
0: And I'm going to say that if I had to graduate from primary school and secondary school, along with my tertiary degrees, I would have really, really hated graduation by the end.
1: Hmm, goodbye.
0: Toodles! Been listening to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, starring Josh Addison and Dr. MR extender which is written, researched, recorded, and produced by Josh and M. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron via its Podbean or Patreon campaigns. And if you need to get in contact with either Josh or M, you can email them at Podcast at gmail.com or check their Twitter accounts, Monkey Fluids and Conspiracism. remember they're coming to get you barbara